Summit in San Antonio, Texas, the Core presents Sales Training Bootcamp with Nikki Salter and J.J. Mazzo. Today's topic, a day in the life of a top producer for lenders. Um, so this is a day in the life of a top producer. So this is kind of an interesting class. Uh, I'm very, very honored to be speaking with Nikki. She's one of my favorite people. Next to my wife, she is probably the most ambitious, driven, amazing woman, a humanitarian mother uh, that I know. So anytime I can collaborate with her, um, we always get stuck in these kind of situations together, um, like this morning. So it's always fun for us to work together. So we're really honored to sit up here and uh, be able to speak with you guys and kind of take you guys through our day. We have uh, a couple videos um, that we're going to show. And then when the videos are done, we're going to do a little table work from there and then kind of guide you guys through some of the some of the things and characteristics that we do as top producers. So we wanted to show you guys um, both um, like an overview and also like in detail what the um, day to day and some of the individual pieces. We figure that you don't necessarily need to see both of our team meetings or both of our client appointments. Um, And so we're going to go into a little bit more detail. So settle in. Um, so you want to get the, the show yes. on the road? Let's Neil, roll can you that video. Good morning. So today we're going to start uh, the day in the life uh, of a crazy day. First things first, go to the gym. My least favorite thing. So here's the deal. I'm usually up at about 530. Um, just want to hit the ground running. And... You have your little morning rituals, and my morning ritual is when I'm still in bed, I will uh, grab my daily devotional. I'll read my daily devotional, Jesus Calling. If you haven't, uh, if you haven't grabbed it, it's pretty awesome. Most of the time, I just get up and go to the office. I'm super early. Rick yells at me all the time for it. Um, but right now, uh, I'm fat, so I need to be in the gym more often. So for me, it's all about convenience and squeezing it in. So I get up early. Uh, my gym is literally a mile from my house. It's a little gym. I can get in. I can get out, uh, do what I need to do, and uh, get back to the house, uh, change super quick, um, start taking care of the kids, uh, and, and start the day. So favorite part of the morning, this one gets up the same short back. Kind of our special time together in the morning time before I go out and battle. But it is my favorite time. It's also uh, cooking's like my favorite thing. So even just making a simple little lunch, kind of therapeutic, relaxing before I start my day itself. What is your favorite thing to eat for breakfast? Um, probably the yogurt gives me. Love you. This is kind of my favorite part. Every single morning after we do our little routine, um, she goes up to her balcony, waves goodbye. All right, so uh, leaving the house. It's about 6.45, heading over to see my dad. Uh, Dad's 85 years old. I've talked about him on stage before. Um, Big inspiration. He's got Alzheimer's. Um, Got advanced stages. We're going to go over there, have some breakfast with him, say hi. It's on the way. It's literally in between my house and my office. So uh, super efficient before we start a crazy day like today. Uh, you know, you try and spend as much time as you can with those that you love. Um, it's, it's not about the time or how much. It's just that you do. 
Now we're heading back to the office. This is email checking, problem solving. This is where I plan my day. Go over the uh, go over the time blocking, and uh, this is where everything starts. All right. So first thing, morning routine. I've got a two-step process. Number one, New Testament. I pick a chapter in the morning. I come in. I read it. Number two, five-minute journal. So many of us have executive assistants and people that help keep us on track for the day. Tiffany is that person for me. Uh, each morning from 8 to 8.15, we go through the checklist. A lot of this stuff is personal stuff, maybe travel items, uh, maybe it's uh, things that have to do with businesses, sending out birthdays. And her job is to keep me on track, on schedule, all day long. You guys know what day it is? Okay. Hey, Aaron, what day is it? What day is it, Jen? What day is it? Hump day. Hump day. That's right. <laughs> I think it's a smart idea. Yeah. I think they're just going to chew up, spit out $22,000 in equity for no reason. Absolutely. So what are you grateful for this morning? It was my sister's birthday, so I was able to help out with some of her as a present. I paid one of her for school. How did that feel? It actually felt pretty good. Just to- Good. How about you, dear? I'm excited. It's bowling night. It's bowling uh, night. night. And you guys still bowling. Right? My birthday is next week and week, so or not next week, next month is week. So this this really needs to be happening. And you're beating mom, right? Oh yeah. I'm grateful. I got to pack lunch and learn. Let's just make sure, uh, you know, guys, that the uh, keep me on track for my schedule today. Also, let's make sure that those clients do not flag. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Well, thank you. Have a great day. Appreciate you. So one of the most important things, obviously, being a producing branch manager is making sure that I am being a branch manager as well. Um, Brad helps me run the branches and make sure that uh, everything is uh, on track. He's knee-deep in this stuff. So making sure that we meet every single day, uh, talking about where we are. It's month-end as well, so we want to uh, where we have projections, what what type of, uh, you know, craft sandwiches are we dealing with where I need to jump in. Um, or don't need to jump in. So every single morning team meeting, then Brad and I will get together and make sure we go through this stuff. So now it's time for us to fill the greatness tracker. That's what the rest of this day is. First part of the day, we go through our meetings to make sure I have my pulse on the business doing the one thing. I will be giving my cell phone over to Tiffany. My greatness tracker is here. It's right next to me. It's handwritten. I keep it right here because it lets me know how I'm doing. So from here out, you're going to see we're just going to focus on filling greatness crackers. So breaking breads, face-to-faces, making great phone calls. So what I have on my schedule right now is our 10-week follow-up. Once I finish that, I'm going to just start pounding the lead tracker itself. Just trying to convert any of the new leads that came in before I go over to my next power hour, which is going to be the pre-approval power hour. So I'm going to be pretty much locked in this room here for the next two hours, making phone calls, trying to generate and convert more leads. 877-237-9673. You know, one thing I like to do is when I'm calling certain groups of clients, these are my newest TBDs that I'm calling for the month of March. Um, They were my newest lead trackers. I'm not going to dump them in a phone burner and start counting through them. I really want to take my time. There's just something uh, for me, old school, um, coming from a call center environment about just using the telephone prior to the dialers. Um, when I start getting to, let's say, some of my older TBDs or some of the older lead tractor stuff or maybe my ABC calls, I'll go ahead and use phone burner. I'll record a message and, and kind of just go through as many as I possibly can. All right, now borrower time. So they're going to be coming in soon, and we've got two hours of power hour knocked out. 
Um, I only need two more talk twos, and I've hit my 60 talk twos for the week, but it's only Wednesday, and I have some phone appointments set for the day, so we'll exceed that. I always try and have, if I can, 80 to 100 talk twos for the week. Um, I know that's what's going to generate the most amount of uh, of results. I uh, can't always control that, but if I'm being you know, on point all week with our power hours and uh, doing what I need to do, then we'll hit that. The key is, once you hit those 60 talk twos like we do on a Wednesday, not taking my foot off the gas. So it's just making sure tomorrow I do what I need to do. But the rest of today um, are going to be mostly face-to-faces and breaking breads that we're going to get in, and a few handful of phone appointments with clients. I don't want phone appointments with clients, but uh, I will get them in face-to-face as soon as I possibly can. I think it might make uh, sense for us to maybe do a 10-year arm. Well, I appreciate it. That means the world. You know, my, my goal here is to make sure that our clients are treated like family. So really the, the what I do in when I'm meeting with clients, talking with clients, whatever the LP1, and my LP1s are able to pre-approve a client. They're all licensed. They know how to calculate income. But when I'm uh, talking to the clients and sitting with them face-to-face for appointments or even a phone appointment, um, I bring them in to listen. And I always ask them, what did they take away? What did they learn? Aaron is a rock star. He's been with me a long time, but there's always something we can take away and learn. I think that we don't always do a great job on coaching as often as we should or teaching and training. And we do every week. We do a little training on Fridays, but nothing is better than on-the-job training. I have about 15 minutes. I want to make some rounds. I want to say hi to people. I kind of have a long office, so we have scooters around here that we cruise around on. Um, and uh, just check in to see how people day are going. Well, off to the lunch and learn. We're going to go talk about how to generate massive leads with accountability. The class is teaching how to generate leads with massive accountability. The form that I'm going to teach you guys, it's called the Greatness Tracker. We call it the Millionaire Form because it's what makes millionaires in the course. So when we talk about the prospecting, that is where the money's made because you can be the best realtor on the planet. And if you can't prospect and get clients, you will be the most underpaid realtor on the planet at the same time. Have a great day, everybody. You're welcome. Hi, Casey Durham with Asbury Team Real Estate. Been to many of the Mazo events. JJ always does a great job. There's always at least a couple of nuggets to take out. Uh, overall, the message on accountability was fantastic. I think that we all need to be held accountable. More importantly, we need to hold ourselves accountable, which is the overriding message. Really tracking everything you do and keeping uh, keeping metrics on everything you do so that you know what you're getting out of the time you're putting into the activities that are generating the dollars. All right, just uh, heading back from uh, the lunch and learn. Uh, now it's time to meet uh, a new whale, one of the top producers in South Orange County. Uh, they're going after for a couple years, and now they want to do business. So I'm looking forward to this appointment. Sweet, uh, fantastic meeting. Looking forward to doing uh, business with the couple. And uh, looks like we've got it locked and loaded. They're going to be sending over a couple of these today already. So now time to get on the phones and hit up three borrower appointments. I was excited to, to speak to you guys. I saw you guys called in. How's, uh, how's the house treating you? Yeah, I mean, we can still save you, even with the supplemental. Uh, just, I mean, just a uh, So, 
8.30, wrapped up a nice little happy hour, glass of wine with some partners. Uh, my wife was able to join and hang out, so I always like it when I can make it a date night. Funny how you do the day in the life of a top producer. And I start my day with my least favorite thing. And I end my day with my least favorite thing. Once I go inside, I finish my day with my favorite things. Oh, my God. I'm here. Hey, 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 So fun stuff, huh? I've been dying to see your house, honestly. <laughs> you come I've been dying anytime. to see the house, the car. I got to. So uh, that was a crazy day, right? So I made sure I picked a day that was was very much a normal day for me. Um, I mean, I'll do two to three, you know, uh, events per weeks uh, at times, but it's it's very much the same. They're kind of boring days at the uh, when you end, when you end up looking at it. Um, what we wanted to do was break off uh, in the tables. And I want you guys to write down what characteristics do you see in yourselves that you guys can see in the videos that are top producer characteristics. So Nikki and I did this exercise yesterday and we just wrote things down and compared them and it was pretty cool. So I want you guys to just take a few minutes uh, or seconds and just write these down. What characteristics do you have that make you a top producer? And then I want you guys to go around the table and kind of pick the two or three where you guys all match. What are two or three of the same characteristics that you run into? And then we can grab the mic and share that a little bit. Okay, I see some people looking up, so go ahead and start sharing with each other. Come on, don't be shy. I just saw my big head on the screen for like 20 minutes. It was embarrassing. Um, two of the big ones, uh, consistent and scheduled. What was that? Consistent and Cons- scheduled. Consistent and scheduled. Who else? Uh, one that we had was... The extreme structure to the day. Structure. Love it. Structure. Extreme structure. Extreme! Both uh, dressed very professionally. Wait, speak up. Dressed very professionally. Hey, dress nice. Dressed professional. My favorite thing. Marketing calendar. Marketing Marketing calendar. calendar. Okay, so let's stop. Um, okay, let's shift for a second. Let's redo this. Um, so here's what I want you to think. Not habits, not um, uh, skills, not practices. I want you to think of characteristics. 
So in your mind, when people think of you or refer to you as a top producer or think of you in terms of your personality characteristics, what, what words come to mind? Okay? That's what, that's what, we're, that's what I'm looking for. Um, professional? Professional. Uh, I stopped at the MA. <laughs> I don't know what that word was going to be. Mature. Okay. Professional. Purposeful. Intentional. Intentional. Uh, Organized. Organized. Um, that followed me around all day said, hey, um, we're going to need to um, we're going to need to change this because it's going to look staged. Nobody's going to believe that you did this, that you do this, this, the, these many, this many things in a day. And I said, well, we didn't stage this. Like, we didn't schedule anything special for you to come up. This was just a day. And he was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, I thought this was. No, yeah, we're not making this up. So uh, a couple more I want a couple more personality characteristics. Driven and disciplined. Driven and disciplined. Okay, discipline was on there already. Driven. Hi. Hi. Uh, one thing I noticed, both of you, in a, in, and I thought about it, a lot of the top producers, family is very important. I mean, both of you. I mean, from Foreman to Josh to Shayla to your families, you don't lose sight of re- what's really important in your life. Cool. Very much. Yeah. All right, cool. So, um, how many of you had the same characteristics on your page? Like, how many of you found that, oh, yeah, I wrote a lot of that same stuff down, or that's, that's what I was thinking as well, right? So then, what is, if I were, so if I take two producers, and I've got the same personality characteristics, driven, um, hungry, humble, um, intentional. What is, why are there difference? Why is there a difference in the results? Okay. So I will, I will simplify it for you. It is the implementation of habits. That's it. Write that down. Implementation of habits. So I have seen so often um, as a coach, it's, it's, I think it's, it's, I see it all the time now. I recognize what it is. But as a coach, I have seen students value, or people in general, um, but hungry people, I see them overestimate the value of a single significant event or a single significant item or action 
and underestimate the value of the the simple single daily routines that are executed and compounded over time that are actually resulting in those those big um, the, I mean those big results those um, and, and who you become and what you build over time and so I don't want you thinking about what's the one thing that I can take away what's the what's the one thing that I'm not doing um, I will tell you if you're looking for one thing you get what you repeat so if you want to produce at the top level then you say okay where am I going to go who am I looking to become what do I want my business to look like? What needs to happen on a daily basis to get there? That's it. Like, that is the magic. Um, that and a bunch of grit, right? Like, <laughs> it's habits and grit. That's it. So the good news is, is that you're all here. Um, you probably all have that. So you just need better habits. Like, who can agree that you need better habits? Easy. Okay, cool. We're in the right spot. So as I was watching JJ today and I was in awe because, yes, I remember we were on stage at the Mega together. It was the first time we were going to be on that size stage. And we both almost threw up. Like we were just, we bonded. We trauma bonded. That yeah. is real, by the way. Yeah. Trauma bonding is real. real. If you have a bad deal with an agent, use it. Use the opportunity. Trauma bonding is real. Um, I was watching you. I was in awe. I was, had just such respect and love. And I was also thinking, that guy is stealing our content. Like, we're talking about time management in the life of a top producer. Now what are we going to talk about? So um, you nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Um, so who in here is currently time blocking? Okay, how, keep your hands up. If you are not, how many of you are intentionally time blocking in advance and then it's pre-filled by your team? If that's the case, keep your hand up. Okay, so what, how many of you are working 35 hours a week or less? Okay, cool. So that simplifies it a little bit. Okay. I want to be that guy. I okay. want to be like that guy. still up. <laughs> okay, so habits, okay? Time management is about doing a set of routines, an intentional um, set of actions um, on a regular basis for a specific result, okay? So I want you right now to take a second and jot down what it does a, what would a, if I told you you could only work 35 hours a week and you had to get it all done, what would be in that 35 hours? So jot down like your thoughts on how many hours would go into each thing. Or if you're currently time blocking, how many hours do you think that you have assigned to each task? Okay, cool. So, and then before we start, can I do? So, yeah. Nikki is a numbers like she when she says she she's all about numbers, she's all about numbers. And it was really cool because we did this exercise and we compared and did the same exercise you're doing here, and we compared two different areas, two different markets, two different businesses. What do you think the common ground is, though? The core. All right, and they were very very much aligned. And where we're spending our time, where it's supposed to be going, and what is that. And um, so this is going to be very cool. I want you guys to make sure you're taking notes about 
where is the time supposed to be going, what is the time supposed to be used for, and then you compare it to what you just wrote down because we just compared two top producers, what those things are, what we're doing, and so this is going to be that magic formula where you can make any tweaks or changes as you need to as well. Yes. So what we're going to do now, so wrap that up, um, and I'm going to tell you what our breakdown was, and our breakdown was almost identical. Um, the variations were so slight that they weren't worth bringing up, okay? So here's what happens in mine. Now, I, yes, am a how do I absolutely get the most out of absolutely everything that I'm doing, okay? I don't, I don't think that it's because I'm lazy. Um, it's just like very much if I'm not getting maximum value, I don't want to do it. Like for me, the value very much has to exceed the cost for me to want to do anything, okay? Um, I don't know that that's a good thing, but it's the way that it is, so we're going to work with it, okay? So I look at why is it that Oprah gets done in a day what she gets done, and I get done in a day what I get done, and we have the same amount of time, right? Um, It's the application of what we're doing, right? So it's the thought of, hey, how much can I get done? How much more? There's always more that you can do, okay? Here's an example. Um, My client appointments went from an hour to 30 minutes, okay? So I never thought, man, how do I get past these face-to-face appointments? They're just an hour. They're just an hour. Until the day that I said, I'm just going to cut them in half because I don't know where else to find the time. And guess what? They still got done. I got them all done in 30 minutes instead. So a task will take you however long you assign it to complete it. Let me give you an example, okay? If I told you that you were going on stage in three weeks and that you had a 15-minute presentation to do, it would take you three weeks to do the 15-minute presentation, okay? If I told you that you were going on in 10, in 10 minutes we were going to bring you up here and you were going to talk for five minutes or 15 minutes about time management, you'd get it done in 10 minutes, right? Right. And I mean, it's the it's the same thing. If I give you an hour for a client appointment, it will take an hour. If I give you 30 minutes, it takes 30 minutes. It takes you much longer to get things done than you think. Same thing for your team. Okay. so a lot of productivity. And guys, take how many of you are time blocking your team's calendars? Okay. so you guys are fantastic. I literally just thought about it a couple of weeks ago and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is the most impactful thing in my life, and I'm just now, you know, seven years into this thing, going to tell my team that we need to, we time block their calendar as well. And so we did, and it's working. Um, You guys, did you guys hear that? Like, probably the biggest takeaway of this meeting. It's like, if if we realize how important time management is, and we struggle with time management, and we're pretty good, and they're, at best, 80% of us, why the hell would we let them control their own time right? because they just don't have that skill set. I mean, they're just, they're flying by the seat of their pants to just make us happy and not get yelled at and not be embarrassed and just do the best job they can, right? They're people pleasing, right? And they want stability. So they need us to jump in. So write that down. That's a huge game changer. Yeah. They don't have capacity issues. They have prioritization issues. It's not that they have too much work or not enough time. It's that they're not sure which is the most important and which one that they should do first. Okay? So anytime your team member comes to you, and this is time management as well, because what happens if they can't get it done, it's going to end up somewhere else, on somebody else on the team or on you, or it's going to back up and cause you more problems and cut into the time that you have. Okay? Um, So anytime they come to you and they're overwhelmed, um, it's a prioritization issue. Sit down and help them prioritize. 
Okay? And not everything is an emergency, guys. Okay? So be very clear on what is and what isn't. So I'm going to tell you ours. Okay? So 35 hours of a perfect work week. Okay? I can promise you that nobody is doing 35 hours of intentional on-point time or else... I mean, unless you're in a position where you are blowing up and you are one of the top producers, okay? Because that's the kind of results that you get when you focus, okay? So 35 is 25 hours in green time. Here's what that looks like. Client face-to-faces, realtor face-to-faces, referral partner face-to-faces in general, and your power hour calls, okay? So I have 18 45-minute client appointments. I went to 45 minutes so I could add the financial wizardry, okay? So... 13 and a half hours is 18 45-minute client appointments. How many of you meet with 18 clients face-to-face a week? Very few, okay? I do. Um, like clockwork, the spots are preset, and the team fills them with the client appointments. Okay? Can I ask you a quick question? How yes. many of you have your team members meet with 18 people face-to-face each week? So who's meeting with the clients face-to-face each week? Cool, do more. I mean, that's, you know, that's the do more. So shoot higher and say, okay. And it's not just, like, if we're focusing on, hey, it's not just generating more leads. It's also conversion. Why wouldn't you try to meet with them a second time? Why wouldn't you do, if you can capture them at the pre-app appointment and the lock appointment, if you can? There's additional value there. There's less shopping, okay? Um, The 13 and a half hours, 45-minute client appointments, that allows for 18 Okay, um, there's 10 and a half hours for power hours. Okay, 10 and a half. That's guys, that's two hours a day. Okay, that's plenty of time to make these calls. Okay, um, and then I, my realtor one-on-ones are much less. Most of my realtor events are um, leveraged events at this point. And so my one-on-ones with the realtor is once a week. Okay, um, so that is... Five hours of team meetings and trainings. Now, I've got some new people on my team. So instead of I was doing 30 minutes, but that was something, hey, I recognized a need. We had a challenge. We needed some additional training. So we're actually doing five hours a week between team meetings and trainings. Okay? I do a one and a half hour brain dump, which is a cleanup with my production manager, uh, my assistant, um, the uh, and then the you know little marketing assistant that helps her. We do not have a, a business development. The marketing assistant is literally helps with the CRM, office stuff, um, flyers for us, things like that. Okay, and then I've got five hours a week of return calls and emails and interruptions. Okay, so there are five hours of preset two thirty-minute blocks for me to return calls and emails or interruptions. So compare that with yours and say, okay, what is the green time productivity level versus where all of my time is going that I've got blocked in this 35 hours? So the difference here is, so I want you to to look at that and say, okay, the the biggest takeaway for me is that um, when I look at this and when we looked at this is is that, huh, what do we have in common here? Like, we've got all these characteristics here. Um, We've got all these intentional habits that we're doing on a daily basis. There's something to this, okay? And we can fit in more. So how many, what was the, um, if you had, um, let's see, uh, 
10 client face-to-faces a week. Raise your hand. In yours. Okay, uh, anybody have more than 15? Okay, very few. So guys, like 10, 10 client appointments, what are you doing with the rest of your time? What are some time wasters? So let's, let's, like, let's, I want to talk about this. Like, what is, what is taking all of our time? Do we have the mic available? Cool. Okay. Let's talk about some time wasters. Like, what's actually happening that needs to be fixed? Email. Email. Okay. Uh, Now, is it, do you have somebody that's designated to take over your email, or do you just get back in it anyways? Oh. Did you did you do you have someone working? Who's who's doing your emails? I am right now. You yeah. are. That okay. was exactly what I was going to say. Okay. Cool. Okay. So doing your own emails. What else do we have here? I would say interruptions by staff. The interruptions. Interruptions. Okay. And have you quantified it? Like how many interruptions are we getting a day, and why is that happening? Probably because I leave the door open and they just keep walking in. Ah, the door open. Okay. The, the, the infamous um, open door policy. I have agents texting me, so I'm like always glued to my phone. Okay. So that kind of breaks up the day. Agents texting you. Okay. What else? Hey, guys, in your, in your explanation, sorry, was it, did you allow any time for like producing branch manager type stuff? Or is, are we just talking about your personal production part, right? Because you, you also have people that you manage. Yes, so that we had, yes, that is in here under the um, five hours of team meetings, trainings, and also the brain dump. Okay. So I said, sorry, correct, yes, that is, I've got in my brain dump and cleanup is when I also do meetings with my production manager, recap okay. things, work on that. And we're going to go into that a little bit more next, too. Okay, last one. Time wasters. All right, I'll admit this one. So it would be planning my day in the middle of the day, so not properly planning the day to start. So I'll sit there and think about Perfect. Thank you. So were you one of the ones that raised your hand and said that you pre-filled your time blocking? No. Okay, good. Thank you. So you're honest. Okay, so yes, that's a big deal. So I, when I find um, that students are struggling the most, they're reacting to the things that are in their calendar because there's not enough in it. Okay, so some tips on sticking to the time blocking, because everybody can do the exercise of a perfect 35-hour work week. I want you to do that when you go home. It's an excellent exercise to sit down and go, okay, what does my perfect week look like? What needs to be included, and how do I get more out of this? Okay, here's how you stick to it. No white space. I was thinking about what you were talking about. So I was like, should I really talk about this? Yes, but no white space, okay? The, if you see both JJ and, I, JJ and I's calendar, JJ's calendar is in there. Mine looks exactly the same. There's literally, it, there's no time to even go to the bathroom in there. It's just back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back appointments because I will stay on time if I know there's somebody in the lobby waiting for me. That's page 61. Okay. Also, less time for tasks. If you give your team an hour to interrupt you twice a day, they will interrupt you for two hours. Okay? Use your team meeting to delegate. Okay? Effective delegation. You shouldn't need any follow-up throughout the day on that. Okay? Be adaptable. Whenever things change, just roll with it. 
Okay. At the same, let me give you an example, real life example. You're in an appointment and your 30 minute client appointment ran 10 minutes late and they put you a few minutes behind. You've got to make it up in the next one. Or if they show up 10 minutes late, you got to make that 30 minute appointment go in 20. Okay. Another way, whenever you're sitting, I don't care who it is, team member, client, referral partner, preset the expectation on the time. Okay. So when you go to walk in, Hey, I've got 30 minutes. How about you? Are you good for time? Okay, cool. And then you can jump right into it. There's an expectation that it's going to end at a certain time. Okay. Yes, sir. You've got that many books like that. Does somebody come, because I found myself not even paying attention to the clock. Does somebody come in and say, hey, you got two minutes or I do have somebody that comes in and waves at me to let me know. Um, but I say and do the same thing over and over and over and over again. And so it just doesn't really take longer very often at all. Okay? And, for, and for me, I, I will, I'm like a hurting a cat, like catching a chicken. So... You know, I have Tiffany comes in. She comes in about three minutes before, and she'll ask me, and I'll, she'll give she'll give me the look, and I'll look at her, and I'll say, you know, I have three minutes, right? And because I'm trying to squeeze out every bit that I can, she's like, do you want me to come back in three minutes? And I'll say, yes, of course, I needed to come back in three minutes, because that's how bad I am. I'll end up going off track. So at, that on every single appointment for every single thing that I have to do in that time blocking, Tiffany's there to make sure that I'm I'm doing that. Cool. So last thing, top producers design systems to eliminate their own excuses. Okay. So I found, let me tell you what that looks like. Um, I found my, I am a lazy prospector. I don't enjoy it. Um, I don't like chit chat. Um, like it just, I am very purposeful. I'm very intentional. I have to see the value in things. Okay. And so I had to, I had lots of excuses around my power hours initially, okay? Um, I don't know who to call. I don't know what to say. It takes too long, okay? So every, everything that I have done systems-wise has been around removing those excuses. For example, the Monday realtor calls. I did a prioritization uh, process around who I was going to call every Monday. What if, if I ran out of time, who I was going to prioritize and call first instead of going through the phone burner list and like, well, I don't want to talk to that one. I don't want to talk to that one. I don't want to talk to that one. I went through and preset. It's already set. I talked to the channel accounts. I talked to the accounts. I talked to the top accounts. Then I go to the prospects that have closed deals with us and then just sent leads. So that if I run out of time, I talk to all my heavy hitters first, right? That is creating a system around creating a system um, in response to removing excuses, right? I don't have any excuse not to make those calls. They're also preloaded in phone burner. So whenever the, you know, the timer goes off and it's time for me to go on to my power hour calls, I don't have any excuse. I just have to log into phone burner. What I'm calling about, who I'm calling is already in there. Okay. It's the same thing with everything, return calls and emails. Any return calls and emails that I'm supposed to make are copied and put in that block already. Okay. Um, same thing with the interruptions. Anybody who needs to interrupt me or has a specific question, it's in that block so that I can jump right into it and address it. Okay. So I want you guys to take a minute and I want you to look at your time wasters. Okay. So I want you to look at all of the things that were wasting your time. And I want you to jot down what can be eliminated immediately. So if it's an email problem, um, okay, so who can be, who can you designate um, that you're going to give those emails to? What's that going to look like? What can you take off of your plate immediately? And what are you going to add in with that free time?
keep in mind, anything that you add, you must take away. That's the key with time, especially if you're maxed out at 50 hours a week. His question was, can you guys touch on how you delegate your emails? Yeah, just like, what's your process? Yeah, so I have um, uh, my assistant. She, I had tasked her with it whenever I came back from one of the summits. And she Googled it, or on YouTube did, or something. And there's four Ds. So this is how our system with the email works. There's four Ds. She either does it, she deletes it, she delegates it, or she defers it. Okay, so does it means obviously she does whatever it is that's in the email. If somebody's asking for something or trying to schedule an appointment, um, delegates it is she sends it, forwards it to whichever team member that it's supposed to go to, deletes it or dumps it, obviously just gets rid of it because it's junk, defers it is I'm not quite sure and this is something that Nikki needs to look at. So she leaves them, I don't go in and, well, I do my best. Not to, because I play the Pac-Man game too. Um, I do my best not to go in behind her and mess with that and just trust that she's going to put it in my return call and email time for anything that I'm supposed to address. Okay. Um, she does the same thing with voicemails in my emails. She recaps real quick what the voicemail is and flags whether or not it's one that I need to call back right away. Okay. Is that just like a separate folder that she's putting in there for your return calls or like... She actually puts it in. So I'm not everything in my day is time blocked. So my return calls and emails is not when I have time. It's literally two 30 minute blocks um, each day and it's in there. So she will copy and paste it in that. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Cool. So we're going to talk a little bit about working on your business and in your business. Who wants to tell me what the difference is? Anybody on your business, in your business, yes. In your business would be doing doing the business on the businesses, looking stuff we're focusing on for what we can do to improve systems or what happens. Right, improvements to the system, right? We want to work on our business. It's something that we tend to ignore. Um, the funny thing is, is when you talk talk about a top producers class, really, it, it's it's a time management class, right? I mean, at the end of the day, everything just comes down to time. Because we all know, for the most part, we know what we need to do. We know what we want to do. Um, we just can't seem to do it. But if we could do it and should do it, and those that do, then their extraordinary uh, results happen. Right? So when it comes to how many branch managers, producing branch managers? Okay, lots. Perfect. Um, how many uh, were negative in the first quarter on their P&L? Liars. Cool. You guys are you all guys are liars. liars. That's okay. Perfect. I love you. All profitable people. Here, either way, we're going to go through some tactics that we use. Um, I work on my business on Fridays, and I'm going to tell you when I work on daily, what I work on weekly, what I work on monthly, and what days I do that. Fair enough? So that helps you. Um, when I am doing my training and coaching, I have a Monday morning rally call. Every Monday morning, it's about 15 minutes, I get all of my loan officers, and I will be adding all of my operations staff. Daniel Saw gave me a fantastic, fantastic tactic for that, and it's rallying the troops. It's just getting them going. What are we going to talk about with our realtors? 
for training my LPs, I am constantly training. Anytime I have a meeting, the LP is with me. I'm using that as a training opportunity with them. And then when it's done, as you can see in there on the video, I'm asking them, what did you learn? What was your biggest takeaway? Right? What would you have done differently? Why do you think that worked? Why do you think that didn't work? Those are all really good questions to ask. If you could just do that after every single call, would you inherently not have a better LP? And if you're meeting with 18 people a week and you did that 18 times with your LP, are you going to have better results from your LPs as well? It should be constantly mirroring you. Is that, was that LP in the meeting with the customer or on the call with you? They'll be sitting in the meeting or they'll be on the call. Always. And, and the meeting's fine because they're the ones that maybe took the app, they've collected the documentation. It, it really helps with the report process. So it's very easy for me to hand it off to Bill because Bill took your app and Bill's here and I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. It helps with uh, communication issues, right? So it's training, helps with communication, helps with rapport issues, helps with training issues. It does a lot and it leverages my time because we suck at training. We're just not really good. We're salespeople. We're coaches. But when it comes to really training and taking things like taking them through the amount of training that they need, we're not really strong at it. So if we integrate it in our day, then we're amazing at it. I'm a much better coach than I am a trainer. Would you guys agree with yourselves on that? There's a big difference. Like the trainer is HR training. You know, that's usually where I'm like five minutes into it. I fall asleep. I cannot do that training. But coaching I can do, and those are coaching moments. So that's happening throughout the entire week itself. Uh, Fridays is when we're doing team, like we call it our family dinner. Because we sit down and we're wrapping up our entire week, what our metrics are, what we're grateful for, what's going on. Now we have our daily team meetings. So we're making sure that we're having our daily team meetings and I'm going through my entire pipeline. But Fridays, Fridays is the big one. That's where we wrap up the entire week. It's casual Friday. I get to dress how I like to dress. Shorts, t-shirts, flip-flops, look like a thug. I love it. It's my favorite day. But the structure is the same. It's very, very boring. Daily, I am looking at my net basis points and revenue. Write that down. Every single day, I'm looking at my net basis points and revenue. Why am I looking every day at net basis points and revenue? Every single day. I get a report. It's automated. Rick says it all the time. It's our, one of our main jobs. Count the money. It allows me to stay on top of the peps. Because here's the deal. I can, I can cut, cutting expenses takes time. Cutting expenses is painful. Everyone agrees? I mean, you, you either have to cut things out that are providing you value. You have to cut jobs out. You have to, you know, there's certain things you can't cut. Your hands are kind of tied. I had found in making large cuts to become very profitable, it took me four months of very deep, painful cuts that maybe for most would take 12 months in four months do that. Where if I'm watching the revenue every single day, is it easier for me to cut 20 basis points and, and cost or is it easier for me to pick up 20 basis points in revenue? All day long. Because I can start seeing, well, what product mix? Oh, look at these guys doing 80% bond. Yay. <laughs> right? And then I can start seeing these guys have all these pricing exceptions. Who have, where are all the pricing exceptions coming from? Right? Or, oh, I, I disclosed properly. Sorry, it's 150 basis point tolerance cure. 
right? We all run into those things. But do you want to find out 30 days later? No, you need to nip that in the bud immediately. So every single day I'm looking at the net revenue coming into the branch. And I love it because it tells me what my total should be and where I am. So, you know, I always know there's room for improvement and I'm realistic. I'm in the trenches. I sell. I want to have the best rates that I possibly can. But we also need to make sure that we're maximizing and watching the pricing exceptions themselves. Um, 10 to 20 percent of my time is spent on branch items. The rest is spent on personal production. I got away from that because we went through some transitions. We went through just all kinds of just I needed distractions. Let's call it what it is. I had a lot of distractions. And so I was spending probably 50 percent branch, 60 percent branch and 40 percent production. What happens to my production when I do that? Oh, my goodness. I'm down 25 percent. So I'm going to give you a visual real quick. Okay. Personal production, branch production, income-wise, personal production, branch production, okay? You get paid a lot more on the personal production, so you have to spend a lot more time working on your personal production. There's no good reason for it to be flipped, okay? The answer is in the personal production. I lost a loan officer um, last week, week before, something like that, left in the middle of the night. Guy did all FHA loans, like 150 or 180 FHA loans, right? That's a lot. That's awesome, right? Why? And, and I don't get me wrong. I went through the leadership exercise of where did I go wrong? What could I have done differently? All of that. But there was not a single stress on me um, financially because there's no golden handcuffs to any one producer, Okay. Now, I failed him. Don't get me wrong or hear me. It's not that I don't care, but I didn't have to look at my employees and go, okay, who's going to get the axe because I couldn't keep him. Okay. Because of the size of my personal production, my personal production can pay the bills. And so I don't have any golden handcuffs. I don't have to keep anybody around that I shouldn't or don't have to or let people go if there are some small variations in the people that are at the branch. So that's another, like, you know, focus on the personal production because the payoff is bigger. Simple. Yep, the payoff's always bigger. The bigger the business that you have, the more you need to be in the business, right? I mean, if you have 60 employees, you inherently have to spend more time in that than you do personal production, agreed? So how do we adjust that so we can actually spend the same amount of time on, on prospecting, like Nikki went over, but still be able to run that business? And now it's, we're talking about leveraging time, and now we've got to talk about leveraging people, right? So I'm watching the numbers. Expenses, I look at monthly. So every single month, I'm looking at expenses. So you say, okay, well, yeah, I look at the P&L. Well, yeah, we need to make sure we're looking at the P&L. But I do little things that have big impact. So all of the office expenses through all of the locations, and there's eight locations, every single week they come to me, and I look at them. And I look at it, it takes me literally 10 seconds. Tiffany brings it. I look at it. I sign off on it. And I go, okay, cool. Go ahead and order it. Now, what's funny is I found there were blue manila folders being ordered and regular manila folders being ordered. And the blue manila folders were like six times the cost of the regular manila folders. Now, I have been ordering blue manila folders for seven years. 
And I'm going, looking at this going, I mean, are these things dipped in gold? Like, what's the point of it? So I finally go to my, my uh, processor. She's been with me 14 years, and she loves the blue folders. And I said, hey, so, like, what's up with the blue folders? And she's still thinking I'm being all weird. She's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, they're just, you know, a little expensive. And I just don't understand what the usage is. And so we were able to, long story short, come up with a way to, she go, I can use those and I'll just use dots and put the dots on. It's how I separate purchase from refi. She likes folders. She's old school. I'm like, cool, you're good with that? Yeah, perfect. Now, if I just thought of that maybe seven years sooner, I could have bought a Bentley, right? So that's why I look at that stuff. Not to mention, they know I'm watching it. And not to mention, I can't go backwards and return toilet paper. Right. So it's just an easy habit. And I don't ever have to look in the P&L and wonder, are my office expenses too high at all? I don't even need to worry about it. I know they're in check. I don't need to look through and wonder, is my technology too high? I know what that is. What I'm looking at on a monthly basis is staffing metrics. I'm looking at overtime. I'm looking at the things that change on a monthly basis, my gain on sale. You know, anything, maybe utilities, something that popped up, extra marketing expenses. And I have someone that their job is to literally go through every single penny. So we talk about leveraging people. I do the overview. I look at the money coming in. I look at some of the money coming out. I look at, I see what the LO comp was. I'm looking at the big stuff, but then I give it to Brad. Brad's my RVP. And you call him a sales manager, but he's much more than that for me. And what he does is he loves to go in there and just find stuff. Like he would, he's the one who's like, hey, do you know we ordered 18 pieces of toilet paper and it should have only been 16 and a half? I don't know. Are we ordering Mexican food again? Is that what's going on? Maybe people are going too much. Right? I love this guy. And then what he does is he takes it, brings it back to me, and he gives me the list of all the things that seem a little bit out of whack. And he catches stuff all the time. Now, a little bit out of whack, maybe it's eight basis points, right? And I look at it, I'm like, oh, there's eight basis points. Where do I want that eight basis points to go? Right here. So constantly having a system to do that, as well as a person to leverage to make sure that we're doing that, allows me to work less in my business and more on my business. So, JJ, what have you seen over, so you said four months that you, I think you said like that's you had a four month um, time where you were really trying to correct the P and L. Yeah. You hear that right? What did what kind of difference did you see um, in doing that? Like, what were the kind of things that came up in like the net basis points difference? And what did you do? Like, what kind of progress have you made? So, so the biggest difference. So I was at the let's say at my worst month, my worst month, what we would consider terrible month. I was losing roughly 175000 okay? I figured out and made adjustments. The biggest adjustments were dropping roughly $45,000 a month in payroll, right? $45,000 a month in payroll. Already starting to come up with ways to reduce rent and doing that ahead of time. But now I had made the adjustments, so the impact was when I have a really bad month, I break even. If you can get the P&L to adjust when you know what a bad month is, you know, it's like when he comes and says, projections are this, and you're like, ah, then if it's break even, then you're like, okay, cool. Well, we got some work to do. Now, you don't want to go under that, 
but after January and after our, what was it, November, December, January, and in California, we felt it a little bit earlier than folks. And I had gone through a transition in August, so it wasn't pretty. But we literally got it to break even, so that come March, I had made 67 basis points, roughly $240,000 on the branch, and it wasn't even a crazy great month. And then April will be the same and May will be the same. Literally printing money, right? As long as I know that we keep things in parameters. Now, once I got it there, my team's like, hey, you know, we'd like to have some better rates. We're getting our rear kicked. Cool. Now we can go ahead and offer some more subsidies for you guys that are common sense subsidies. Because now we know what our parameters are and I know where the numbers are. And I know I can watch to see if those subsidies are being taken advantage of very, very quickly. So it was staff. And it was knowing the revenue. I was also looking, and I saw when I was setting my margins, I was setting margins in areas too high that didn't have any impact. And I saw areas that they could be lower, and they were costing me business because they weren't low enough. Right? One in the hand's better than two in the bush, right? And so you need to look at that balance all the time, and that's what the big transformation yeah, and change that is was. brilliant. I mean, like... I think, oh, I need to work on my numbers, and so I dedicate time to look at them once a month, meet with the CFO, and go through and make sure I'm understanding them correctly, and you are looking at them every day. Every That's day. why you are making more, because you're looking at it every day. You are getting what you repeat. And I didn't know that. It was the CEO of our company who said, dude, and he really took the time, and the CEO of our company is loaded, and he's two years older than me, and he knows what he's doing, and he's really cool, so it was very easy for me because we talk the same language, it's like, hey, sit down, do this. And I'm that guy. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. I just needed someone to really sit down and say, do this. And then Rick obviously was the other person, except he'd be like, stand up, do this, right? A little bit different. So it was a very good combination for me to make sure that I'm getting done what I need to get done. So uh, the next person that I leverage in order to run my business is I have docs, funding, underwriting, processing, and marketing all within the control of my branch. So that's a lot of responsibility that I don't necessarily want to have to deal with because I'll be in the weeds. And we just spoke about where does the most of the money come from? Production, especially for me. If I'm a 140 comp and I bring in 60 basis points, right, and, and profit, then what's my comp? 200, baby, right? That's good. That's good money. So when it comes to processing, I have a processing manager. Her job is to make sure that she she meets all the metrics. Her job is to make sure that docs are at escrow 48 hours in advance. The processors are getting files out in 24 hours. The underwriters are getting files out in 24 hours, making sure that we meet projections, making sure any questions that need to be answered. She's also an underwriter, so she can answer, rework, help with those things on the fly. So having that person to be able to answer those questions. When it comes to me, it usually is a, hey, JJ, we need you to call the CEO. That's when I should step in. Would you guys agree with that? Because I have people that are very capable to do that. Now, you, you don't, not everyone needs it at that scale, but as you grow in your, your team business, you need a team captain. You need someone who can help you manage and run the business. So we say you don't want to make every basket yourself. You just need to be involved in every basket. And I had said that earlier. That's the example of doing it. So making sure you're leveraging the right people, the right talent to do it. And don't overpay them to do it. Okay? A lot of times we're like, man, this person's great. Here's a half a million dollars and your, your P&L's in the negative or whatever. I'm using extremes, right? 
but we're like, oh my gosh, like, oh, they're like perfect. But don't do that. You know, take the time to make sure you can not only get the right person, you want to promote within any time you can. And has promoting within burnt me? It burnt me twice this past year. Doesn't mean I'm not going to still try and do it. But if you can promote within, great, because it's worked for me in the past. If not, then you should always have a bench and be prepared so that you have leadership. So that when I have leadership meetings to work on my business, I'll have a leadership meeting. We'll sit down for a half a day off-site, and we'll go through all of the problems together. I can delegate all the problems, handle the problems, and then off they go. And then I just meet with them every single day for about five or ten minutes to go over it. So you can see how I leverage the time and I leverage the people to keep me doing what? Prospecting. At the end of the day, it's all about prospecting. Whether it's realtors, whether it's borrowers, and right now I have plenty of leads, so I'm meeting with less realtors and I'm going to go meet with more borrowers. Which, frankly, I love meeting with borrowers. Way more than I love meeting with realtors. It's just more fun. Cool. So what I'm hearing that you have really dialed in is you are dialed in on, very dialed in on the numbers and very clear on what your highest and best use is and the system to make sure that you stay in your highest and best use. Yep, stay in the And lane. everybody understands that concept, right? What, am, what makes me the most money and how can I pay someone else to do everything else that is not my high producing money making activities? Okay. Everything that I'm hearing you say is about digging deeper into that. How do I get even more and more into the high payoff activities? What I have also found, like one of the things that you said on is that we've fun, family, intentional. Um, I also enjoy the high payoff activities more. And so it's not just how do I move into doing more of the activities that pay me more money. Those are also the ones that I enjoy more. And so I end up doing more of the things that I want and less of the things that I don't. And so when things come up, um, it puts them in perspective and it makes it easier. I had a student ask, hey, what do you do when you get burnout? And I was like, I don't really get burnout. And it's not, I don't, it's not that I don't get tired, but I spend all of my day doing things that I want to do that I know there's a high value to. And when I'm off track, there's a fast rebound to getting back to it as quickly as possible. Okay. Let's jump into Q&A. Like, I, I, I have this itch to, like, solve a problem or something. <laughs> so who's got a question or a problem or something? Let's go over here. I want to get some work done. My biggest question is when you guys were at the point of um, a breakthrough moment of getting out of your files, like I think a lot of us are right at that. Our teams are just about to the place where we can really step out of it with underwriting guidelines and problems and that kind of thing. Like a team of two to three, can you think back to a moment where you were able to, like what was that defining point where you're just like, I can't help you call branch support or underwriting or whatever your person was? So as soon as you, so one, my defining moment is when I was in the middle of it and going, man, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, this is not fun. I'm not doing business this way. So if I can't teach this group how to do it, then I don't want to do it at this level. Okay. And then that's a, you know, gut check. Do I want to slow down then? No. So I need to fix the system. Right. So um, you have to be clear, firm and direct with what your expectations are. 
Okay, every student talks about their team at some point. And when I say, cool, can you send me their job description, their top three job duties, and their metrics for accountability and rewards and consequences? And they go, is that a homework assignment? Well, no, you have it, right? Just send it to me. No, and they don't. So your employees do not wake up and go, hmm, how can I off my boss today? It doesn't happen. They want to make you happy. They just don't know how. Because we are not clear enough. So have you ever noticed that whenever you tell them to do something, they think they have to do it right that second? Right? But that's our fault. It's not their fault. Well, well, why did you do that? Well, I didn't need that right then. I needed you to, why didn't that submission get done? Well, because I was working on that verification. Be clear. Hey, can you help me with this? It's not something that I need until the end of the week. I just, I don't want to forget to tell you about it. Right? Clear, firm, direct, and set your expectation up front and negotiate if there are um, any challenges or hurdles for them not to be able to do it. Your job is to remove those challenges. Let me give you an example. Um, when I find that my team is using me as a crutch and um, it, it, it's, and it happens and it happens like um, it's one of those things that the more you do it, it breeds more, right? Like if I respond to an email or if I, oh, I'll offer to do this or that, then it turns into I'm doing it all the time, right? Once again, my fault, not theirs, okay? So if your team, if you know that you have set a clear top three job duties, the expectations and how to do it, Okay, then for me, I don't respond. So because every time I come to the course summit, man, I'm like, hey, they nail it. There's no problems. There's no issues. There's no anything. Why is it that on a daily basis, like I'm getting asked, hey, can you confirm this? Hey, what are your thoughts on this? Hey, what's that? Right. It's because I'm responding. I'm there. I'm responding. When I remove myself, they just get it done. You cannot do this, though. If you haven't given them a who to call chart or explanation, and so your job is to give them the tools to be successful and then make sure they're using them. Okay. So if you've given them those tools, stop responding. Next day in the team meeting, I go, oh, shoot, I forgot to respond to that email. Did you end up taking care of that? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. We got it. Oh, God, I knew you could. Thank you. Super helpful. I was with a realtor. The, right? It comes down to resourcefulness, right? So they, they're, they're capable of being resourceful. Um, the brain will always want to take the path of least resistance. That's just, that's, that's the way we're wired. When it's difficult and it's hard that way, we automatically want to go this way. That's why we're in a program like this, so that we're forced to and we're held accountable to do it the hard way to get the results we want, right? So it's going to be the same thing for them, but they need to be resourceful. If you do it for them, it's like you, you've heard the, the expression, you can teach a man that you can fish for him or you can teach him how to fish. So you want to teach him how to fish and teach him how to be resourceful and show them where to go, though. You have to have and show them here are the resources. This is where you need to go. This is the training. You put them through the training. And if they forget the training or decide to ignore the training and then they come and ask me anyways, I will remind them you're resourceful. I showed you where the resources are. Just come back to me when you're done getting that, and I'm sure we'll figure it out. And they do. Once you do that enough, then they will, they will, it's like training a dog to pee outside, right? You're like, you can't, you got to go outside, the resources are out here. They come, they want to pee, take them outside, go out there. Resources out there, and they will inherently stop after a while. My tombstone is going to say, have you checked all rugs? I say that like more a day than anything else. <laughs> um, what... 
percentage of your closings are each of you guys attending, and do you ever send someone in your place for the closing? What, what was that? I'm sorry. What percentage of your closings do each one of you guys attend, and do you ever send anyone in your place, like an LP or, or um, so um, I send one, I send someone 100% of the time to deliver the gift. I don't attend closings. Um, my I I do the I go the client route, the realtor route uh, instead. And I don't uh, attend the closings. I send a notary who's this amazing notary that does video testimonials, uh, picture testimonials. She she'll even hold a check. Like so, instead of taking the picture was sold, I have this check that they hold, and if the checks for like the amount of the loan amount, like six hundred eighty thousand dollars, it's signed by me. It's got my logo on it, and so they'll take those pictures, and then she'll give those closing gifts too. So she's a really good representation. And I am not, I, I'm not saying that closings are not your highest and best use at all. It became a scheduling nightmare for me. I couldn't have the client appointment availability even, and I even tried advanced. Um, I mean, I do advanced. Um, theme days like um, that are blocked, but I couldn't, um, the closings were all over the place. So it just, it, it phased itself out, but that's, that's why. Yeah. And that's a big distraction, you know, trying to get to the level you guys are at and having to leave all through the day to go to close. Well, yes, but I actually, that's part of how I, how I got there was going to closings, you know, like high-fiving. I miss it. It's something that I, I just, you know, there, when you, you got to say no to some things. Um, and that was one of the things that I had to take out. So I can, I can tell you that one of the two do's that we're doing on our, to, to wow our clients more is actually scheduling the closings at our office. There's signing docs at our office with the red carpet. Um, and we're going to have everything done there because let's be honest, like, if they want, if they need the money to buy the house. If we tell them where to go, I mean, if it irritates the escrow company, do I care? No. And if I explain it to the escrow company and I say, "Hey, give me your escrow docs 48 hours in advance," right? Doesn't that put them under the gun a little bit more? Like, how many times has the escrow company said, "We're just waiting for your docs and we can sign"? Now, I'd love to flip that on them because they don't have to hear that anymore. Mm-hmm. Now I could say, "I'm just waiting for your docs and we can sign." And then they can come in, and then it's easy. If I'm super busy, I can do a pop-in and just be like, hey, oh, my gosh, you're here to sign. It's so great to see you. And then the red carpet's rolled out. They'll have their closing gift. And who is the best person, period, to answer any questions about docs or money or disbursements? And it's going to be my LP, too, or us. We're there. So that's something that we're changing um, because there's plenty of room and plenty of time that they can come in anytime they want to do it. And then this way I don't have to go anywhere. And if I'm in between or going to the bathroom, I can stop in and just say hi real quick. Who else we got? So I was going to ask, uh, one of the things that strikes me is that I still accept a lot of things that you've each decided to no longer accept. You know, whether it's email Pac-Man or allowing your team to interrupt you. You just have gotten to a place where you're unwilling to allow that anymore. And, and maybe in addition to what you've shared already, what are some things that you also at some point just decided, I'm not going to accept this anymore. I'm not going to negotiate with this anymore. I uh, will implement a system or a safeguard, even if it's little and trivial seemingly, or if it's something that was maybe tough for you to decide I'm no longer going to accept. I'd just be curious. Uh, I can give you a couple. There's probably a bunch, but um, so I don't send pre-approval letters unless you meet with me. 
because my over-the-phone conversion is atrocious and my in-person is almost 90%. And so um, I'm not going to win the deal anyways. So I, I won't send a pre-approval letter uh, unless they'll meet with me. That's a little barrier for entry increase. Um, and I just, I had to hold firm. Um, I won't give pre-qualification letters without documents. Um, these are not, these were in responses to problems and challenges that I was experiencing. I didn't just wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to be a diva and require all these things. No, it was, we were experiencing challenges and that was the only way to fix them. Um, uh, I, I, uh, what was a good question? I know there's a bunch, um, say like, um, things that you said, hey, these are, um, I'm not going to put up. I'm not going to do this anymore. Well, it goes to my, it goes to what I had said earlier today, which was about fear and faith. When I go, when I get to that place where I'm just fearful, I'm going to lose the deal. Sometimes, and I'm doing a lot better at this, thanks to Roy and and my pastor at home. Which is sometimes you have to give it up to God that I have the faith I'm going to get two deals instead of the fear I'm just going to lose a deal because I'm stuck in the weeds. Right. Like this, this whole journey at the core is about having the faith in the process that you'll do better instead of the fear that if I don't talk to everybody and answer everything and do what everybody else wants me to do, that I'll lose business. But the fact is, as you guys see the results on the board, especially graduation tomorrow, that it proves that faith in the process is way more profitable than the fear of. Do not doing something on a daily basis. So for me, it's more mindset than tactical. And I'm very tactical, but when it comes to that, it's mindset. Here's the deal. No matter what, you're going to somebody off. You're going to let somebody down. You're going to make a mistake. It's how you handle it that is going to make that situation bad or worse. Right? And we're all very skilled on handling those situations. So when they pop up, I mean, have, have anyone, has all of your problems gone away? All your problem files? Everything perfect? Great? All the signings good? Like, no. It is a constant. So trying to fix something, like trying to fix the uncontrollables is going to be exhausting to try and fix the uncontrollables. So that's why these tactics we teach, we just teach the controllables, uh, and then we got to leave everything else up to the process and God. Yeah, and that's huge, what he just said, identifying, hey, what can I affect change on and what can I not? So what is it that's really, really bothering me or what was this gut punch that I had that was really painful and how do I create a system around making sure that it doesn't happen again or that it happens as few times as possible? Okay, so he identifying what I can control, what I can't, and then only focusing on the things that I can do something about. Excellent question. So let's do, um, let's wrap up with what makes it all happen, okay? So um, JJ and I talked about it, and what makes it all happen for us is the boundaries. So you've heard us talk about it um, throughout a little bit. You know, hey, um, putting our systems in place that we can let the team work on things and then removing ourselves and just not responding, honestly. That's a boundary, right? Hey, I'm going to hold you accountable to you doing the work that you're supposed to do. There was a boundary in um, uh, the highest and best use, right? Like, hey, what am I supposed to be doing every day? JJ saying, hey, anytime you put anything in, you've got to take something out. These are all examples of boundaries that we have that allow all of these other things to take place. If you react 
instead of setting an intention and doing it on purpose, you will always be in firefight mode. You will always be doing what somebody else wants you to do instead of what you want to do. And you will end up at their destination, not yours. Okay? So I'm going to toss some boundaries that I have. JJ is going to toss some boundaries that he has. And then I want you at your tables, like once we're done, I want you guys to sit and make a list of all of the things that need to be boundaries for you. So also I'll give you a hint. Um, your time wasters or your things that make you unhappy are probably tied to your lack of boundaries. Okay? So I find myself the least, I mean the most unhappy um, whenever I am late, when I'm home late. Because I only get two hours a day with my kid and it's not cool for me to show up ten minutes late. It's really crappy. So a couple of boundaries for me um, is... I am home at 6. Every, uh, every single day, I am home at 6. I don't do evening events more than once a week, and that's for a max of two each month. Okay? Um, I, I mean, I got, guys, I got 50 hours. Like, I can get it done in 50 hours, right? Um, I leave on Fridays at 2 to go to the lake, and my me time is um, I get up 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning um, regularly, and that's my time. That's my time to do whatever I want. Um, and I'm, that means, I mean, really a boundary. I'm kind of a nerd and I have to go to bed early as well or else I can't get up early and have that me time. But those are things that I am fiercely protective of that are non-negotiables. These are not things that I shoot for. These are non-negotiables that have to happen. What are some that you have? So for me, uh, the boundaries for me all are associated with my family. It's my personal time. That is my boundary. That's why I do this. I want to make a lot of money so I can afford to spend more time with my family and do the things that I want. How many people are here for that? Cool. So when you listen to these, you'll hear the boundaries themselves, and all of the boundaries are for the same thing. A little different. I have two daughters, uh, 10 and 14, so they're older. I, I have a teenager going to high school, so she's crazy. And then I have a wife who's going crazy because I have two teenagers that are getting ready to go into that era. But at the same token, um, all of this is very much protected. And so it's a little bit different. They're also both in competitive gymnastics. So my girls are out until 8 o'clock and train about 18 hours per week in gymnastics. So I don't get, even if I wanted to go home I, and see there, I just sit on the couch by myself. So I get to get a little more work done. Friday night date night with my wife is one of them. So we decide at 4 o'clock, um, we're done. So we can either do 4 o'clock until 7 o'clock and then still do family time. Maybe we'll do a little happy hour. I'll do 4 o'clock to midnight. We'll catch a movie and a dinner. Or we'll do 4 o'clock and do an all-nighter and just have a blast and spend the night and have a little staycation. But Friday night is always a non-negotiable. I'm out of the office at 3 o'clock. Don't bother calling me. Saturday, daddy-daughter day, all for them. Sunday is family day. Dinner, um, on the non-gymnastics nights, weekend warrior coverage. So I have my LPs cover for the weekends, and they go back and forth on that coverage. Uh, I do not pick up the phone after hours. Um, I'm up early so that I can fix my uh, breakfast and my lunch for my daughter that you saw there. I did not used to do that until my wife broke her leg about six months ago. She's very capable of doing it again now. That's my time. I would never give that back to her. Um, then evening show with my wife is very important. It has to be her show. Um, it's like uh, Games of Thrones. Everyone likes that show? 
Yeah, it's like daggers in my eyes. I do not, it's just, it's not for me, it's not what I do. I am a Seinfeld and an office kind of guy. I like stupid comedies, like impractical jokers, right? I like to laugh myself to sleep, but I don't get to do that. I get to watch her show, and that's very important, and that's our time for about an hour. And then um, it's better to block personal, otherwise there won't be any personal. All right, that's the biggest takeaway that I can give you. You either set those boundaries or, like, like Nikki said, you won't have any boundaries at all. So everyone write down their boundary that they need to put in their lives. Um, I think our time's about up here, yeah? It is? Um, how amazing was Nikki? Absolutely. You guys get tons of tactics. Was this helpful? Raise your hand if we're able to give you guys money-making tactics. Cool. Been listening to the Core's Sales Training Boot Camp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call 1-800-660-6670 or find us on the web at www.thecoretraining.com.